0: All right, another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Back with you on a Monday. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And time i kind of jacked Monday. up. Yeah, this is a big week. Tons to get to. We got to do some catching up of sorts after Fourth of July weekend because a big weekend for Syracuse on the football recruiting front and also basketball recruiting that we'll get to today. But also TBT this week so we're actually covering real live games. It's going to be a lot of fun this week on the pod. That
1: was so awesome to watch live basketball this weekend. I saw so Syracuse playing the winner of Heartfire and Men of Mackey and I don't know if you saw the end of that game Tim, but Syracuse might have some problems on their hands yeah. if they don't have someone to defend Isaac Haas. 7 foot 3 he was crucial for them. So, for those who didn't watch, I'll give you the quick synopsis of what happened. The target score was set at 85. I believe the score was 78-73 at the time of when it was set. And then Men of Mackey, 12-0 run to close out the game. Oh. So, that, that's what Syracuse has waiting for it. Or the Beheim's Army, I should say, has waiting for it when this whole thing gets going
0: on Tuesday, Tomorrow. Yeah, 4 o'clock tomorrow, so we will probably have tomorrow's show dedicated to a preview of that, and it's going to be tough, because they don't have Lydon or McCullen now, if anyone missed that mm -hmm. news. They're out of the tournament with injury, so Syracuse is going to have to find a way to stop the 7-3 big man Haas there for Menemaki, but that's on tomorrow's show. I figure we start today with the D.R. Johnson news, and it's crazy, because Justin Lampson really should lead the show any other week or any other day on this podcast. We'll We'll get to him because I am really fired up about Lampson and we're hoping to talk to him on this podcast later on in the week. But for the Dior news, my gut reaction to this, and for anyone that didn't see it, is he is reportedly considering a reclassification to 2021. Now, Dior, of course, is in the 2022 class. He's the five star that Syracuse wrapped up a while ago. And my gut reaction was like, this is awesome because this means... He's into coming to Syracuse, and we've never really had any definitive one way or the other on it. He has sort of, you know, talked about the G League in a roundabout way maybe with some tweets, and we like to social media sleuth, but that's all we really could gather on it. There's nothing that would say that he was against coming to Syracuse, of course, but it was always talked about because he's such a big-time recruit, and I see this news, and I think— This is great. I'd love for him to reclassify because if he's reclassifying, that means he is going to play at Syracuse for one season. And that's what we're all really excited about and really want to happen. So, Tim, before
1: we get into a little more Dior here, I want to make an amendment here to Social Media Sleuth. All right. I want to change it to Social Sherlocks. Okay. So, if (laughs) we're going to Social Sherlocks, very important, he liked both reports that came out on Twitter. From both rivals and stock risers, so if he's the one that's liking it, there there's real traction behind this. So yes, I think this would be a really interesting thing for Syracuse because it changes a lot. And it, I mean, just think about it. you move to twenty twenty one. You're joining Benny Williams, and you're bolstering the hell out of that class right oh, there. Yeah. And we that's know a top five class probably. Right, a- if and he changes. Remember this too. It was always said that, he, that, or at least Benny Williams said this, that Dior was kind of pushing him, pushing him, saying, all right, yeah, like go to Syracuse. You think reclassification came up in those conversations? Because, listen, I wasn't a fly on the wall, but if I had to guess, I'm guessing it probably was, because even though Benny Williams is a 40 to 50 ranked guy in his class of 2021, he, that doesn't mean he doesn't want to go one and done. In a perfect world for him, he does go one and done. So th- there was no guarantee necessarily that he does play with Dior.
0: Yeah, this is really exciting. When you look at, I saw some people tweeting out the potential roster, potential depth chart. If Dior did reclassify to 2021, the starting five, hypothetically, now it's way too early, but... This is what we do when it's summer and there's no live sports. This is really fun for us, so Mm -hmm. let's just do it anyway. You've got Dior at point guard as a freshman, JG3 as a junior, also in the backcourt, Buddy a senior in the starting lineup, you'd presume, Quincy, if he returns and all goes according to plan, will be a junior, and then kind of pick whatever center you're most excited about, but Jesse is going to be a junior, barring maybe a redshirt this year. He'll be in his third year with the program. He'll be on the team. That's all that matters. Right. Yeah. Frank will be in his Barring second transfer. year, and John Bull will be in his second year. So that's the only real question mark is the center position. But then even the bench, I mean, this is as good of a bench on paper as I've seen in a while for a hypothetical Syracuse roster. When you talk about Alan Griffin will definitely be eligible that year, regardless of what happens this season. It'll be a second year on campus with the team working out. Kadari Richmond's second year, and now this is all assuming no one transfers, which if we played this game last year, we wouldn't have accounted for three guys transferring. We but, would have lost, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, but then there's Benny, and there's Woody Newton, and Robert Braswell, who I think is definitely a potential transfer candidate if Dior comes, because then it gets to the point where I don't really know how he really into yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, but how about that roster, man? I mean, that that's, is yeah. that's so,
1: really good. You you've been looking through the, the starting lineup. So here's what I did in my time of boredom. I made a pros and cons <laughs> list, Tim. I pulled out the yellow legal pad. Oh, man. And I wrote them down, right? So, so you, corny. Let's, let's do it, all right? So we'll start with the pros. First of all, I think, and, and we kind hit of hit on this off the top, but this significantly boosts his chance of playing at Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, you go from a guy who you and I probably thought, what, 25% chance he plays at Syracuse if he's in 2022, and even that yeah. might be a little generous. Now if he's twenty I'm feeling like 80%, 90% he plays well, he at Syracuse. Well, he can't go into the draft well, if well, he's that he, young, right? He could go to the G League, though, I believe. Oh, that's he, true. It's still a, an yeah. option that's on the table. So that's something that that maybe goes into the fold there, but it it's significantly boost his chance of playing at Syracuse. Pro number two, this also significantly bolsters the makeup of your 2021 class. And on top of that, it still makes Mac Etienne a much more feasible option for you because we know Dior has been prodding at Mac a little bit too. And also, I don't know if you saw the news from over, I think it was over the weekend or maybe last week, but Mac Etienne transferring to Brewster Academy, mm-hmm. which has a very strong Syracuse pipeline. When you think of C.J. Fair, Chris McCullough, Torian Thompson, Buddy Bayheim I mean, the there is a clear path there. So maybe that helps out Syracuse as well. And then you mentioned all those other big guys. Well, they may not mean as much anymore. It may be Mac Etienne who's the starter on that team now. It's true. Yeah. So the, the, you bit you get that makeup together, and guess what? Pro number three. 2021 is a legitimate Final Four national championship contender. I mean, that, oh, thats man. what that team is. You said it. I said it. Yeah. But listen, I say it, it because in New I Orleans, believe it too. I don't. I don't throw that term out loosely. Okay, I say it because I actually believe it. Because when you look right. at all the talent, the blend of youth, talent, and veteran experience, and guys who can be all ACC guys, you're looking at a super
0: talented roster. Yeah, that's a preseason top ten team. I no say. doubt that roster no doubt. just laid Maybe out. even top five. Like that—that's how good. Right. I, obviously,
1: if you get Mac it, it depends on. Yeah, it depends cool. on a bunch of other things too, and how other teams shape up. But yeah, that could be a, a top ten, top five team in the preseason. All right, my last pro here is the fact that some people may say, "Oh, well, he's seventeen. Does he have? Does he have everything in him to be able to play?" At that level, at the age of 17. And to that, I res—I respond with, well, he's always played up. I mean, this is a guy who started playing high school basketball mm-hmm. in seventh grade. So I don't find that to be an issue. And I actually found this interesting when I was digging around a little bit. But part of what happens when you play in New York high school basketball, if you're going from being a seventh mm-hmm. grader to playing at the high school level, is you have to take this quote-unquote, maturity test. Now, I don't know how legit that thing is. I don't know if it's, like, what exactly goes into a maturity test. But if you're passing that, it shows that you're capable of balancing your, your workload of, of being a middle school student while also taking on the responsibility of playing basketball at a higher level with guys that you don't go to school with or maybe know too well. So he's always played up, and that age gap has never, ever stopped him from being great.
0: Yeah, so what are your cons? I'm guessing so, one of them, 2022, might get yeah. a little bit weaker. But so here's, honestly, here's, go no, ahead, go let ahead. me just counter that real quick. Because it might, yes, that's true. But at the same time, if you're one of those guards that Syracuse has on, you know, on, that Syracuse has been reaching out to a ton, the Roddy Gales, the J.J. Starlings, like maybe right. you're more willing Zion to Cruz, go yeah. if, if Dior's not there, so I, I don't know. I mean, there—that's probably the only con, though. Did you have any others? So I—I I had that one,
1: and I—I I didn't necessarily say the that it's going to be a bad class. I just want to know what happens to this mega class that you're expecting now in 2022. Is it? But to that, I also counter with, yeah, the, there's now it looks like there would be space open because you assume Dior's a one and done guy, but not just that there's space open, but you're starting to rebuild the brand of Syracuse basketball on top. You make the Syracuse program look a lot more attractive if this is a team on the heels of a final four run, or even just a a team that was in the top 10 from a year ago. So you build that brand, you re, or not build it, you rebuild it because, I mean, this is a team that has not really been in the rankings very much over these last five years. So you you're you're building that image back up. And my other con is I want to know how the playing time works. Because it's a lot it all yeah. of a sudden becomes a very messy puzzle. Because you figure Alan Griffin probably came to Syracuse under the assumption that he was going to be a starter or at least be playing 30, 35 minutes a night. And When you start to slide around these different pieces and and try to figure out who's getting the playing time, I mean, this goes from a team who, let's be honest, Tim, if 2020 Syracuse, if that team is going to the tournament, the big reason why is going to be because they have this great chemistry with each other and they just play really well together because they're not among the most talented in the ACC, but they've got guys who, if everyone puts it together... They could be a really, really good team. Not really, really. I, I put too many reallys on there. But <laughs> they could be a good team. I know what and, you're saying. We, we yeah. kind of went over this last week when we were assessing the ACC preseason rankings that John Rothstein crafted, where he has Syracuse down at 10. But we said this is a team whose ceiling, if all goes right, is probably 5 or 6. And if this is a team that goes to the tournament, that chemistry is going to be imperative. And if you've got a guy, and I'm not saying Dior's going to come in and be some sort of locker room destructor but you got a guy who's displacing certain people that could be something that is is, I won't say ruins the team but I mean you've got a super talented guy but how is he going to fit in and what happens if Dior maybe isn't the guy who should be the starter like that, that let's not throw that out the window because what if Joe Girard's this all ACC second or first team guy like, that's, that's not out of the realm of possibilities for this upcoming season. Are we just going to displace people and, and move them down the line? What's going to happen there? So I, I think that would be an interesting – it's not necessarily a con. It feels like a good problem to have, but it's one that you've got this mega star. You're going to have all this different sort of media attention focused on you. Can that
0: ruin something, too? No, that's a good point to bring up, for sure. And I think Beheim's going to maybe have to go deeper into the bench than normal, which I know he doesn't have a great track record of. But good problems to have, as you said. And exciting news on the DR front. Exciting news on football recruiting, too. Justin Lampson, the quarterback, has officially committed huge win for Syracuse. We'll talk about him. Before we do that, got to tell you about the best place to maintain and repair your car right now. That's by going to rockauto.com. I actually went there this week. My taillight went out, which was unfortunate, in my Jeep. So went to rockauto.com to order it. It's going to be shipped in a couple days, and it's just so easy right now, especially given this time. I'm in North Carolina where the cases are kind of spiking, so even more so than normal. I don't want to go to the auto parts store. You have to deal with the fear of that guy behind the counter on his computer clicking away and... Saying the price, are you getting ripped off? Is that the best price? You know at rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices every single time, incredibly easy to navigate. I can't recommend it enough. Go to rockauto.com right now, and when you go there, type locked on in there, how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. All right, now for the other... Big news that came over this July Fourth weekend, and like I said, would this you say huge this is news? the biggest weekend
1: we've had since we like we had the first since weekend that first when we started weekend. the podcast, and now we've got yeah. this news. Yeah, and it's funny it because we did the draft. Dior. We yeah. did the draft of the the biggest things that have happened, and honestly, like some of the things that have happened over this past weekend are some things that probably would have slid into that draft. They probably yeah. would have.
0: So the the big news we're talking about quarterback Justin Lampson I'm sure a lot of the listeners already know he has committed to Syracuse officially. We felt really good about this for a couple weeks. The seeds were being planted, the signs were there, and we've talked about him a lot in his game and how excited we are, but man Ty, this is a huge win for given the timing of of when he commits, it could bring in some more recruits and It just furthers my excitement for this 2021 class. Now, there are no four stars. Lampson is not a four star. He's not up to the Tommy DeVito level. But literally everything you read about him is he would have maybe gotten to that level. Except now with COVID and everything, he doesn't get the opportunities, perhaps, to go to some of these camps. And everything you read about him is just positive. What his coach says about his work ethic. He's 6'3". He's put on some weight to maybe 225 It's Eric Dungy-esque. I know everyone's throwing around that moniker and that comparison. By the way, were we first to that? We may have been first to that. We may have been first. I'm not going to claim
1: it fully because someone else may have beat us to it, but I remember putting that out there, and I don't
0: think I saw a lot of other people that had that. But maybe I'm wrong. And now everyone's doing it. And disclaimer on that, I don't think it's right to compare a kid who hasn't stepped on campus to literally one of the best quarterbacks it's like the mellow thing that we joke about all the time when, Mm -hmm. when you see the Carmelo word but let's just say there is some signs in his game that he could be that type of quarterback for Syracuse and sort of profit in an offense that Syracuse has at the dual threat caliber now he keeps talking about how he loves that Syracuse is going to throw the ball a lot but I see a lot of dual threat in his game and The more I watch his tape, the more I get excited about him. I think all the Syracuse fans should be very happy because this is kind of what we've been clamoring for. And you bring up Tommy DeVito and how maybe his ranking
1: right now isn't up to what DeVito's was. Well, let's also remember, too, Tommy DeVito was a three-star quarterback, and then he started going to a lot of these camps, and that's when he elevated himself to a four-star. So maybe that's something that Lampson was bound to do because – This is a guy who, I mean, it seems like he works his tail off, and he's gotten some great coaching and mentoring along the way. We brought up Ian Book last week, but he's been working with this guy out of QB Collectives, Will Hewlett, who has been working with him since he was 10 years old. And this is a guy who says that, that Justin Lamson is one of the toughest, most aggressive guys I've been around. And he's been around Ian Book, Caleb Williams, who for those of you that don't know who he is, he's actually the number one rated dual threat quarterback in this class and just committed to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma a day after Justin Lamson committed. Yeah, and then Lamson's guy. number 18 for anyone yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. know that. And, and Sam Heward is a, a five star guy who committed to Washington a couple years ago and, and he's playing for the Huskies now. So this is your quarterback of the future. And you had to get it in this class or otherwise there was going to be a year or two somewhere along the line after Tommy DeVito graduates where your quarterback position was kind of in flux. But when you look at everything that Lampson's come out and said, and he said that Syracuse was only taking one quarterback in this cycle yep. and he was the guy that they picked. So he's your quarterback of the future and I'd imagine
0: that's what the pitch was to him. So he's 2021, so he'll come in during DeVito's redshirt senior season, which is not this upcoming season, but the year after. And you look at what's there, which means by the time he's a sophomore or a redshirt freshman in his second year with the program, he'll be competing for the starting job. And he'll be competing against the likes of David Summers, Jacobian and Morgan, Dylan Markowitz. Kind of, those are kind of the top ones. Drew Gunther is another guy. There's a couple preferred walk-ons, but to me, he is the best candidate as the guy that will take over the reins of Dino Babers and Syracuse's offense once DeVito leaves. And that's nothing against Dylan Markowitz and David Summers. I like their tape as well. I think his offer sheet here is just a little bit better when you factor in a Louisville offer. Boise State comes in late, which Markowitz did get Boise State late as well, but all around, I think just watching his tape and playing in a talent-rich spot in California, being Offensive Player of the Year there in his conference in California. I mean, this is the high school that Ian Book went to, as you mentioned, and he's putting up very, very good numbers there. Was a safety at one point, and now has transitioned to quarterback, worked his tail off to get to this point, and I really think he has a lot of potential to, to be that guy that takes over for DeVito. I don't know if I would have maybe been as confident in some of the other recruits that they've looked at. And maybe that's just me being biased now that they actually have him, but this is that type of quarterback that I was looking for them to get. And I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is almost the biggest recruiting win they've had since DeVito, because I think that's how much quarterback matters. Quarterback's everything. And I think they've had better, like Cisco's a huge win in hindsight, Trill Williams 4 start. They've had higher ranked players. But this was an absolute must in this cycle. They had to get the quarterback, and they get him early, and now maybe he'll bring in some more talent as well. Right, and now what
1: you do with him is you got to build your offensive line around him because this is a guy who you've got to protect. You've got to keep upright. you got to make sure those sack numbers are way down by the time he's taking the reins. Also, you brought up he was a safety. Did you see the quote where he said his dad still kind of wants him to play safety? And, <laughs> yeah. and i saw i give saw up that on and, that one dad <laughs> yeah um but he, it, that's the thing is this is a kid who he he hears something and he says something like that and he says yeah like i'm willing to do it because i i just if i'm put in the right situation sure I'll, I'll flip to safety by the way his dad played in the nfl for seattle i believe it was and he was oh, okay, a he was cool. a tight end at washington state too uh jeff lamson um but yeah no i mean you bring up that list of quarterbacks, too, who he's going to be in the room with after DeVito graduates. And this is the guy who's the only dual-threat quarterback on the roster when he's going to step on campus. So that's another thing that I think works in his favor because we've seen the success of the dual-threat quarterback with Dino Babers. And really, I mean, Eric Dungy was a good passer. But Eric dungie if he didn't have the threat of his legs, and I know some Syracuse fans used to get upset. Not upset, but they held their breath when Eric dungie used to tuck it and run. But that threat of his legs was unbelievably important. If he didn't have that, I'm not going to say he was going to be half the quarterback he was, but he's probably not an all-ACC quarterback if he doesn't have that threat of running. Yeah, And that's something that you can see in a guy like Lamson When you bring that extra dimension to your game it really opens up what you can do offensively.
0: A couple other things that he mentioned sort of in talking and reading these articles on 247sports.com since his commitment, he talked with Clayton Welch, who's another Northern California QB will not be on the roster when he gets there and has since graduated, but he said he talked with him a lot about Syracuse's offense and he's very bullish on, you keep seeing in these articles the offensive scheme and the throwing a lot. No huddle, no mercy. He really likes the Syracuse offense. And I think that was a big thing here, along with the coaching staff and how you now Gilbert's on staff, and that's the tandem that brought up Jimmy Garoppolo, of course. Other thing to mention, he's a Newhouse guy. So hopefully yeah, if we us. get him on the pod, we'll have to talk with him about that a little bit. Anything else just, on Lansom uh, before? Well, yeah, uh, just we- when you say we're going to try to
1: get him on the pod, I will say this. We have a verbal commitment, but as we know, verbal commitments are not binding. So stay tuned. We're we're hopefully going to have them on the show. Uh, Just the one other thing I want to point out, though, is the fact that when I look at what Syracuse has done offensively in this 2021 recruiting cycle, you can see how much they've spread their wings. You've got a guy like Josh Huff at the running back position, Kendall Long at wide receiver, Landon Morris at tight end. You got a, a tackle, a guard. They've spread their wings. They're not bunching up at a bunch of different spots they're kind of going across the board and trying to build up some depth but you think with a guy like Lampson okay now you're probably going to look at them to try to cue in on some offensive linemen and some good ones too because hey you can protect a guy who we think can take us to another level and yeah I think that's going to be the big selling point with a lot of these with a lot of these offensive line recruits that Dino and company are going after so We'll see, because that offensive line is going to be crucial. You've got you've got the guy who can take you to the next level, but he's only going to be as good as his offensive line can keep him on his feet.
0: Yeah, I think that's the priority now for sure. And really the only position that they've kind of bunched up on is defensive line. And it's funny that that's the case because that's who they added this week along with Justin Lampson. We'll get into a defensive lineman who's also really good who committed to Syracuse in this big July 4th weekend. Next. Alright, so the other commit from Thursday, this was the day before Lampson commits, is a really good one. Defensive lineman Jatias Gear, 6'5", 260, right in that neighborhood as he's gained a little bit of weight recently. Really good fit for the three three five. And just to give you sort of his accolades and his rundown on 24-7 sports real quick, middle-tier three-star, kind of in the top of Syracuse in terms of ratings so far on their 24-7 sports list. Now, those ratings aren't everything, but when you look at his offer sheet, which is something we really like to look at, it's good. It's probably one of the better offer sheets Syracuse has gotten a commitment from so far in this 2021 cycle. you got Georgia Tech with an offer in the ACC, Kansas State, ECU, UCF. Nothing crazy, but then there was also interest from UNC, from Virginia Tech, from West Virginia, the Campy World Bowl losers, from Tennessee, South Carolina out of the SEC. That's a good sort of interest offer sheet, probably as good as we've seen from any commit so far in this 21 cycle. And you figure he'd rack up some of those offers if he was given a full summer to work out. Maybe he
1: takes some visits too, and those end in offers. So, Uh, And listen, I'm not saying this guy's going to flip. I I don't think that. But don't be surprised if some of those schools pop into the mix a little bit later in the cycle. Because I mean, look at UNC. They are doing some absolute damage on the recruiting trail. I mean, South Carolina, he's from that state. So you'd imagine that a, a school like South Carolina probably going to get involved at some point. At, at a deeper level and then you've got some, some other ACC teams like you mentioned Virginia Tech so there there is a lot of outside interest too and I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one of them tries to jump in later on in the process just because this is a stranger process than we're going to see from the other years of recruiting.
0: Yeah and the reason why I say good for the 3 is I think he maybe even has some potential to go inside if he put on some more weight but Right now, he's kind of a strong side edge rusher. He has a good, strong, like lower body, a lot of power for his age and sort of where he's at right Mosqueed, now. Lot speed too. Really Yeah, good and off then the that's edge. the thing. He's really quick. He's got a lot of speed to him, which is that type of versatility that Syracuse is going to need out of their defensive linemen because they're only going to have three of them in this new system, and you got to be able to drop back a little bit occasionally and do a little bit of everything. So that's why I like that he's sort of an all around, really good strong side rusher for where he's at right now in terms of his age and everything. One of the other things too is that after this weekend, when they landed Gear, they
1: landed Lamson, it elevated Syracuse at the time to forty seventh. Now they've dropped back a couple of spots in the rankings, but worth noting yeah, if you're 52, wondering how I think how yeah, I believe you're you're right. But if you're wondering how good this class can be, Syracuse hasn't had a top 50 class since 2007. So this is going to be, by all early indications, one of the better classes in recent memory. And I think that when you look at what Dino's trying to do, he's trying to build this culture and also trying to ramp up the talent that comes into the program. This This is a really good thing for Syracuse. And you got your top guy in your class, in, in gear he's the the highest rated guy in your class and then you've got your quarterback for the future in the
0: class in the same weekend that that's so big for this team yeah such an awesome weekend and also there was right. some good news deuce chestnut announces top eight that's one of the hyper cornerback yep. mm-hmm. targets Four star. syracuse guy. is in it yeah four star and look i think this class given where it's at right now you mentioned that it's flirting around top 50 which would be really good it's not up there with Alabama anymore so we can put Ooh, to yeah, rest those, in peace. those screenshots they, and yeah for the for those of you
1: who were so into that and saying we want Bama and chanting and and yell and roll tide and, and stuff like that first of all what are you doing second of all I think they jumped from what were they they were like high 50s at the time or, yeah. or 60s or something and now they're like 13 and I think they, they've only added a handful of guys too so that's the right. power of Sabin, all right
0: yeah, they might not don't catch up to them. Mac Brown, though, in UNC. Yeah. I know they just got the top quarterback in the class as well. But also Jason Henderson, who we have talked about, the linebacker. I can't remember what day specifically, but another thing that happened during that time where we weren't doing any podcasts is he said that he's getting kind of closer to a decision. Actually, I actually think it was Friday, kind of right after Lampsum made his announcement. So I don't know if that was because of that or any connection there, but Syracuse is definitely high on his list, you would assume, too, the right. linebacker. So I, I like what they've done at defensive line so far in this cycle.
1: Yeah, and the defensive line has been a huge emphasis for this team in the offseason. You can tell it just by the recruiting. I mean, you look at the guys that they've gotten on the defensive side of the ball, five of the eight guys are defensive linemen. So that's, where, that's a point where Dino sees the need to improve because – This was a team that was middle of the pack last year in sacks, back half, and tackles for loss. And when you look at what can make a team go from solid to to good to great, it it starts and ends in the trenches. I mean, you look at a team like Pitt. Pitt last year, I believe they led the country. They definitely led the ACC, and and I think they were tied for the lead in the country in sacks per game. So when you've got – and they've got a fantastic defensive line. So when you've got that star power – on your line, that's what's going to make you overachieve because you can disrupt games and break up game plans. And we've seen Dino put a lot of faith in freshman defensive linemen. You think about a guy like Kendall Coleman. He was a starter as a true freshman. Josh Black, he started games as a true freshman. Uh, Kingsley Jonathan we've seen be given a, a solid role as when he was a freshman. So he puts a lot of faith in these guys. So the guys that you're hearing about now – They can play. They can play in that 2021 season. And don't be surprised if maybe you see one of them starting for week one.
0: Yeah. So really excited about where 2021 is heading. Excited about gear. Excited about Lampsum. Honestly, excited about Dior potentially coming in 2021. A lot of positives on this Monday episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. Getting you set for tomorrow's game. 4 p.m. tip tbt bayheim's army it's syracuse against purdue men they won their game so syracuse one of the top seeds bayheim's army has lost a couple players we'll tell you all about that matchup what is going to be important for bayheim's army who we think are going to be the key players this season and just how excited we are to kind of watch some live basketball it's gonna be a fun week here on the podcast so thanks for tuning in For today's episode, you can check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. And we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.